If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. We've only just found out, you know, yesterday was World Water Day, and we know that the fashion and textile industry is one of the biggest polluters when it comes to ocean plastics. So you don't really have to have a particular interest in fashion to understand that there is a massive impact in the clothes that you wear. How did fashion revolution, which really has become a global movement, inspiring positive change across the entire fashion industry, how did it get started and grow to have the impact and reach that it has today? What does it mean for us that, yes, people increasingly want to buy less and buy better in fashion, but often aren't doing so yet because of things like price, convenience, and available style options? Where do we go from that? This is just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. Now, I want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Connecta, which is a digital sourcing platform connecting ethical brands and suppliers to retail buyers across the globe. So if you're a conscious business owner of a retailer or the founder of a conscious fashion or lifestyle brand, this is a platform that can really support, streamline, and elevate your work. I'll tell you more about it later in the episode, but if you want to check them out first, you can head to connecta.co. That's K-A-N-E-K-T-A dot C-O. And now to our episode, let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the co-founder and creative director of Fashion Revolution, which is a global movement that runs all year long, celebrating fashion as a positive influence while also raising awareness for the industry's most pressing social and environmental issues. If you've seen the hashtag Who Made My Clothes being passed around, especially back in April, that was a part of Fashion Revolution Week, which happens every year towards the end of April. And it's a movement that just really unites everybody who makes the fashion industry work. And that includes everybody who wears clothes, which I'm assuming includes you, as well as all the makers, business people, educators, creatives, just everyone, really. That's why it's been so powerful and gaining traction so quickly, I think, even given how young the organization is. They're just keen on bringing everybody on board. 
This was definitely a thought-provoking conversation, and I'm really looking forward to what you think later. But for now, starting off with what got her into sustainable fashion, Green Dreamer here's Orsola de Castro. It has been a long time. I started as a designer in 1997 with a small label,、um, and primarily all I did was really reuse what was left abandoned by others.、Um, it, interestingly, this was at a time when the word, you know, ethical fashion, sustainable fashion, upcycling. You know, None of that was really in in usage,、um, so mine was、um, originally very much a creative need.、Uh, you know, my journey, my creative、uh, wish to reuse what was abandoned for somehow poetic reasons. For you know that that's really as a designer, that's how I responded to work.、It、made me realize quite quickly, not just how much was being discarded, but how everything was speeding up so fast. You know, factories were closing in Italy. You know, from one seasons to the next, they'd moved to China. The quality of clothing kept diminishing, and it was very, very obvious to me. I feel almost like I walked this journey of 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 the industry changing,、um, and kind of saw it with my、uh, my very eyes while it happened. Yeah, what do you think went wrong in order to allow all of these issues to start popping up? I don't think we can pinpoint anything going wrong. You know, I think the whole industry went wrong. I think we all went wrong. I think the industrial revolution, to a certain extent, is an experiment that went wrong. And you know, it's it's we can't look at it as you know what's happened in the last thirty five years. We have to look at our attitude, and you know, it's a massive combination of things. So it's you know, what about plastic? Why did we invent it? You know, we can't respond to those questions. We don't really know. But what we do know is that we're in a mess. Whether it's because we were left psychologically scarred by having less, and we decided that the only way was to have more, but I don't think that that's the case. You know, I don't think it was the consumers. I feel it was the industry. So it's it's a really hard question to reply to.、Um, fact is that rather than looking at what went wrong,、um, let's look at what is. Wrong and how to put it right, for sure. So it's really a lack of understanding of the long-term impacts of all of these experiments, so to say, and we just didn't understand what was going to happen before, like using them across the world. Well, do we ever, as people? I mean, you know, do we know? We know about the <laughs> impact of war, and yet we do. We know about the impact of slavery, and yet we slave. I mean, you know,、um, I would say it's it's humankind. I mean, I would also say that. Evolution should make us better, not worse. And potentially,、uh, maybe the next generations will have that impetus to evolve as better people for a better planet. But so far, you know, we have to look at our history and take stock of the fact that a lot of what's happening is to do to our nature. Yeah, we're still learning and still part of the experiment. Potentially. <laughs> well, to say that you and Carrie and your team started a global movement, I feel like that sounds very grand but abstract at the same time. What did that look like for you in the early days? So, like, what did you have to do to get things rolling and get the word out there? Well, I don't know, and I don't remember, and I think that's the beauty of it. You know, Carrie and I had known each other for a while. Um, so I was also、uh, co-founder and co-curator of Estetica, the sustainable fashion area at London Fashion Week for 
the British Fashion Council, and Carrie was one of our most successful designers in there with her brand Pachacuti. So Estetica itself was very much a place where people met and debated and discussed, you know, sustainability, innovation, ethics, and so on and so forth. So I feel very much that when Carrie called me and said, okay, that's it, you know, we've got to do something just after the Rana Plaza disaster, and, and, and we came, you know, we came together to, to shape what fashion revolution would look like. The first thing that we did was to go to some of those individuals that we both knew that we'd both worked with from that, you know, this kind of UK scene that was quite vibrant and quite strong. But none of us really were campaigners. So I feel like saying that we kind of just got on with it very tentatively and very spontaneously. And I feel like that was our strength. I guess... The correlation and the relationship between myself and Carrie is interesting. We are mirror opposites of each other. So on certain places, we are, it's where we meet in the middle and we're completely identical. And one of them is that we're both risk takers, um, that we're both very determined. And, you know, as a partnership, we can finish each other's sentence and, you know, we are really, really successful in the way that we operate because we are so different. So we just went on, you know, we got on with it in our different ways. I am much more responsible for the creative aspects and Carrie is much more responsible for the kind of global operation and the, the, the sort of the managing and the keeping everything together and the policy. And so we just got on with it and people stuck to it. I don't know, there was something about fashion revolution that people loved and there is still so much about fashion revolution that people love. It seems now like it was easy. I'm sure it must have been hard at the time, but um, we worked very solid, very hard. Yeah. What were one of those biggest challenges for you? You know, we didn't quite know, again, you know, how to be a campaigner. We didn't know how to become a bona fide campaign, where to look for grants and, and, and funding. And, you know, that was very difficult. So to begin with, uh, we we were literally all of us working just, you know, in our free time and because we genuinely believed in it. We had to make a lot of very critical and very compromising decisions to start with in order to really solidify what we wanted Fashion Revolution to be and our values and our ethical policies and and what we really stood for. So it took a lot of debating and a lot of discussing, and those were challenges because not necessarily everybody agreed. Um, We all had uh, a different, you know, different shades of vision on Fashion Revolution, and and yet we all mattered because Fashion Revolution is, is a is an organization, despite Carrie and I being, you know, founders and directors, we, we work in total unison with our team um, and we all have a right to vote for, for decisions. And it's always been this way since the very, very beginning. So putting us all together and all of us agreeing on everything was challenging to begin with, particularly as we were designing it, so to speak. For sure. And I, I feel like that's probably the beauty of the of fashion revolution, too, is bringing people from all different walks of life together it's about everybody absolutely i'm very 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 proud of that and again that was like one of 
decisions that we were going to be people up rather than say celebrity down you know we really wanted to be about the garment workers and the you know the cotton farmers and the students and academia and you know everybody else you know it's 100% of the population that wears clothes and 100% of the population is our audience so this is something that has marked us um, as different from from many other organizations. Um, and also the fact that we managed to reach a very uh, young and very eager audience. You know, our first, our hashtag when, when we came out with Who Made My Clothes, um, we kind of assumed that was going to be a relatively easy um, question to answer, and yet no one could answer it at all. And so we realized, you know, that we'd come up onto something big, you know, that that was really a massive disconnection between citizens and their brands and the people that make our clothes. And um, that was certainly something that I felt was the great unifier. We suddenly then started seeing producers coming up with, I made your clothes. And again, that was quite spontaneous. And, you know, the whole point of Fashion Revolution is that it is about the population that wears gloves and therefore all of us. For sure. And on the website, it says that we try to always be bold, provocative, inquisitive, accessible and inclusive. And we tend to avoid negative protesting, victimizing, naming and shaming. Can you walk us through the essence of this message and what makes this approach so important to the movement? Well, the reality is that there are plenty of brilliant other organizations, perhaps a little older than us or a whole lot older than us, that are more aggressive, that are about making brands individually accountable for their deeds. And we don't necessarily disagree with them. We don't think that that's bad. But we decided that wasn't right for us. We decided that we wanted to be inclusive and that we wanted to have a positive conversation rather than a negative conversation. And that in many ways, uh, you know, it's a very female run organization, Fashion Revolution, and many of us are parents. There is an element in which we know that if you shame and blame, you don't achieve much. And if you encourage and promote, uh, you, you are more likely to see positive change. So I don't know whether it's right, but we certainly feel that there was a space for an organization that took a different view. And the reason why we felt there was a space for an organization that took a different view is because we are so acutely aware of the brilliant work that the other organizations are doing. So what's the point in duplicating? And we still work with those organizations. We still sign the letters. We still, you know, we obviously try to adapt more to our way of communicating and our way of operating, but we just wanted to be different. And I guess another element is that in the naming and in the shaming, there is often a lot of doom and a lot of gloom. And we do know that that might make people feel apathetic, like, oh, my God, you know, this is so huge. What can I do? While the reality is that we wanted people to be a part of the solution. You know, every single one of our wardrobes are in the fashion supply chain somewhere. And therefore, every morning, when you choose the clothes you wear, you can be a part of that change. But in order to understand that, you have to feel agency and you have to feel that you can create that change yourself. Mm. And how have you built this feeling of inclusivity into the movement? Is it primarily through the wording, the messaging, the creative content, 
Well, we are called fashion revolution. And so obviously we have an understanding of the fashion industry. Um, but we're also called fashion revolution because we love the fashion industry. So inclusivity came quite natural to us. You know, we could sit and talk about clothes for days um, as a team. And we also wanted to celebrate the fact that we all wear clothes and we all love wearing clothes. And so that was, first, you know, step number one. It felt completely natural for us to be inclusive. It felt completely natural for us to showcase also in terms of our branding and in terms of the wording that we choose the positive aspect. You know, we wanted to be relevant. We wanted to be visible. We wanted to be, you know, but not in a shocking way. And don't forget, that we were born just after the Rana Plaza disaster. And just after the Rana Plaza disaster, all you saw were images of dead people. And, you know, tragic as it was, um, after a while, people become desensitized by so much tragedy, so much pain and so much sorrow. And we found that it was better to engage them with someone who was still making their clothes. But somehow we wanted to create a connection and empathy without pity between us, citizens, world citizens, and the people who make our clothes, who spin the material, who dye the, the fabrics. And in order to do that, we had to show them as real people, you know, real people going to work every day, feeding their families. And that was the message to show that perhaps some of these lives aren't as good as they could be. Not that all of our lives are as good as they could be, but, you know, we really had to look at the daily toil and how to how to provide dignity to that daily toil for those workers. So that's why we we went the... You know, we, we chose the words that we chose and, and we, you know, we look the way that we look. For sure. I feel like at this point, most people in the fashion industry and most people who care a lot about their clothes at the least have heard of fashion revolution. How do you think we can get more mainstream consumers on board? So like people who buy clothes but don't follow fashion magazines, trends, news on the fashion industry or even consider themselves fashionistas? Well, that's obviously very much our, one of our remits. And I, we've got a lot of those people on board. You know, again, you know, one thing that we always say is that, you know, you may not be interested in fashion, but you've got to wear clothes. So it's the impact of clothing. You know, it's people that like, you know, going outdoors might not consider themselves fashionistas and yet they're wearing fleece. We've only just found out, you know, yesterday was World War today, and we know that the fashion and textile industry is one of the biggest polluters when it comes to ocean plastics. So you don't really have to have a particular interest in fashion to understand that there is a massive impact in the clothes that you wear. But, you know, I'm very positive that we will reach that audience if we haven't already reached them, because, you know, all industries are looking at ways to somehow lessen their impact. The conversation is huge. Um, the conversation on plastic is huge at the moment. It's on every newspaper. You know, everybody holds a Fanta or a Coke or a, you know, bottle of water at some point in their lives, you know, if not every day. And, um, and so with that message will come the message that it's the same with clothing, that, you know, every day you wash your clothes or, so I don't think we will be, I don't think we're far from reaching that audience at all. Mm -hmm. So it's really about connecting the dots and, you know, people might be interested in the ocean, but then they'll learn how fashion is impacting the ocean. Exactly. I mean, and this is, I guess, one of the things that, you know, fashion revolution, I mean, please don't forget that we're just entering our fifth year now. So we're actually tiny. But, you know, our main remit for many, many years 
has been about transparency, has been about um, ensuring that brands were accountable, that they would publicly disclose their supply chain. And that's really what we've been working on, um, you know, particularly, you know, publishing our fashion transparency index, uh, which, by the way, the 2017 version was downloaded something like, you know, nearly 35,000 times and counting. And, um, but I think that it's, it's a question of looking at it individually. So we're now moving much more talking also about waste, about, uh, you know, uh, landfill, about end of clothes, end of life for clothing and about overconsumption, mass production and so on and so forth. You can't predict what somebody will be interested in and you can't predict what will hit them in the stomach what they find out, you know. It could be about the polar bear, it could be about the fish, it could be about the animals, it could be about people, it could be about the environment, it could be about chemicals, it could be about waste. But we need to understand that the industry as a whole has a massive impact on our lives and that we also have a massive impact in the sense that we can change it. Yeah, I read a, an article recently from Women's Wear Daily that said that, you know, millennials do want to vote with their dollars and prefer to buy more eco-friendly fashion, but that the industry isn't currently providing them with sufficient choices that meet their most important criteria, which are convenience, price and value and uniqueness, which I know that's just one article. But from that, it's kind of saying that we do have the heart to make more sustainable purchases, but we're often not doing so and taking action on it because of price, convenience, and style. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, God, many. I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> so, well, basically, yes, I totally agree. But we need to think of this industry as being, to a certain extent, in its infancy. And this is not an industry that suits these massive, gigantic, you know, huge history brands, whether it's, you know, uh, cheap clothing or luxury. This is an industry that requires things to be smaller and we don't really have much of that understanding as people, you know, and we're not really given that much choice when it comes to small or big, you know, you've got the big guys or you've got the big guys. So the first thing I'd like to see is a hell of a lot more biodiversity when it comes to the fashion industry, when it comes to our local, you know, high streets. I'd like to see somebody mending clothes in there. I'd like to see young design that don't really want to grow that big because they've got a successful business that keeps them going just as they are. All of these, uh, all of those kind of these new business models aren't really being explored enough yet. But of course, people are beginning to talk about it. So I do think that things will change. There is also another way of being, uh, uh, you know, a kind of a conscious consumer, which tells you that you can buy just about anything you want, provided you buy one rather than five. You know, why buy five for the price of one? You know, demand one better made for the price of five. We potentially can already still afford it. You know, fashion is incredibly cheap. And also there is another way of being a sustainable consumer in the sense that you could buy something and make a commitment to it, make it last longer, wash it properly, mend it when it breaks, toss it on when you don't want it anymore. The truth is, as you said, that right now isn't that availability. So while we wait for that availability, we still have to demand that things change. We can't all sit here and say, well, my perfect pink jumper, which is perfectly sustainable, doesn't exist. So I'm going to try 13 that aren't. No, you know, I'm going to look for the best that I can find. And in the meantime, I'm going to inform myself. I'm going to spread the message until 
the industry will save me. So it's not an excuse to stop looking for solutions. It's not an excuse to stop buying from those brands that are available and looking for them. And it's not an excuse not to interact with the high street intelligently. So when you, as I said, you know, when you do go and buy something, keep it for a long time or go and ask, you know, you go inside a store, you go into Primark, you go into H&M, you go into Walmart, you go into, you know, ask them, who made these clothes? I want to know. So there's loads of ways to, to actually be a conscious consumer in between now and when we will have this ready availability, which actually we're all waiting for. For sure. And on that note, fashion revolution has inspired a lot of action. So like, I feel like a lot of people all over the world are organizing events and also a lot of creatives and designers all want to participate in some way. What do you think it is about fashion in uh, fashion revolution that's made it so successful in terms of driving action beyond just raising awareness? Well, I guess first thing is we started with Fashion Revolution Day and now we're Fashion Revolution Week. So, you know, it means that to us anyway, there was an appetite to grow it. Uh, it wasn't lasting one day even when we were calling it Fashion Revolution Day. Um, I feel that, you know, that's just an indication that the appetite is there. In fact, you know, we, we are so aware of, of how many events there are and how many, you know, brands and individuals and schools are taking part that um, occasionally we feel, my God, you know, did we, you know, did some, somehow we've created this monster. Um, what we would like everybody to know and understand, though, that we do stem from a tragedy. Um, and so we will communicate more and more that we would like at least the 24th of April, so the anniversary of the Rana Plaza, to be dedicated to the people that died and were injured. So in a way, it's good that we have a week because, as I said, we want to see joy in this movement, but we also want the memory of why we started to be, um, you know, to be there, to be present and for people to be aware that we are not necessarily just doing this big jamboree about what fashion could look like. We are also somehow... Um, you know, making a very strong statement about what fashion is like. Mm -hmm. And so that's very important. Yeah. And with you being the creative director, what's been one of the most important decisions you've made that you feel like has helped it to grow? Oh, I am one of these people that, as I said, one, I'm nothing without my team. So it's it's never a decision that I make. It's always the decisions that we make. Um, obviously, for me, it is the way that we communicate. I mean, that was, you know, that is the, the most important thing. I guess I potentially am responsible for, for making it completely open source, which at the very beginning when we started was quite an odd thing to do. Um, we made all of our branding, all of our assets downloadable straight away, uh, you know, the minute we had them ready. And I remember at the time people thinking that I was being distinctly odd um, and they were a little bit worried about that. But in fact, it really, really worked because it made everybody look like we were all in unison and we were all acting as one. So, I mean, I tell you, that was a scary decision uh, that I took. But then again, it's another decision. Everybody voted for it anyway, but it was scary when I said it. Um, and overall, I am, you know, very proud that we challenge ourselves all the time, you know, that we challenge ourselves not to be patronizing, that we challenge ourselves, you know, not to follow the, the, the rule. If, if we have to be brave about something, we'll be brave about something that we are, you know, we are risk takers and we very much try 
to say it as it is and to be very, very honest and be transparent, at least in the messages and the way that we convey them. And as creative director, um, you know, I obviously see this side more than the more than the kind of policy side but i'm proud of both you know i'm proud of the fact that we are a very very creative campaign with a very strong policy remit and and outreach as well for sure and what are your highest hopes for fashion revolution going forward well i would like fashion revolution week to be the alternative fashion week in the calendar for sure i mean you know i'd like this week to really showcase a different type of fashion uh, we're doing so with a new initiative called open studio where designers open their studio or their factories um, so that you know the press and and people can get to see what it's actually like to be making clothes and really celebrate the craft of clothes making so that more and more people can understand that it takes skill and it takes time to make something. And um, and I think that's a very important message. But of course, I mean, you know, the reality is that we are also, um, we're publishing a manifesto this year. I guess that'll give you a very strong idea of, of our vision for the future. But we will not stop until garment work and all supply chain are working in dignity and our environment is not degraded by this industry. So obviously it's a, it's a long time from now, but that's what I want to see. Before we go into our final five, I want to tell you about how Connecta, the sponsor of this episode, can support your work. If you have your own conscious fashion or lifestyle brand, you can apply to sell and automatically gain access to a global market because retailers from around the world will be able to buy your products in bulk as wholesale to sell in their stores. So you can focus on what you love most, the creating, designing, and making. On the other hand, if you're a buyer or owner of a conscious retailer, you can sign up and get immediate access to conscious fashion and lifestyle brands around the world to stock your store with. Connecta vets the brands that join the platform to ensure that they're committed to transparency throughout all parts of their supply chain, taking into account their social and environmental impact, so you can save time with the research and just focusing on sourcing products that you love. The sign-up process is free and super easy. Just head to connecta.co to get started. That's K-A-N-E-K-T-A dot C-O. And now on to our final five and key takeaways. Let's power through. What's a social media account or a person or a publication you follow that's really inspiring to you? Oh, God, no, that's not a question I can answer because there are too many. I mean, I'm a real <laughs> follower of many. I'm a very, very, very curious individual. Okay. Uh, what do you tell yourself to stay inspired and motivated? This too shall pass, both in the good and in the bad way. Mm-hmm. And what's one action we can try out this week for our planet's health from fashion? Look at your wardrobe, look at your clothes and, you know, feel a connection with them and decide that those are the clothes you want to wear without necessarily having to buy anymore, um, learn how to mend or find somebody that can mend them for you. You can do that every day, let alone every week. Mm-hmm. And what makes you most hopeful for our world right now? The students I teach to. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Um... Well, I will just, you know, give you our two hashtags, actually, you know, because they are words of wisdom. They're more than just hashtags. Who made my clothes and loved clothes last? Keep asking who made my clothes 
remember loved clothes last and use those as hashtags with relevant posts you share with Conscious Fashion. Green Dreamer here, my two key takeaways. Number one, different things resonate with different people. So like not everyone is crazy about fashion, for example, but everybody, or at least most people, wear clothes. And to get people on board with fashion revolution, the team goes at it in, you know, all different angles, social justice, animal welfare, natural resources, ocean health, pollution, uh, public health, and so forth. So what we can take away from that is just if we're trying to inspire some sort of action in another person, we have to get to know what this person cares about first and then frame our message in a way that's geared towards what this person cares about. This also means that if we tried one approach to inspire some sort of action and it didn't work, that's not the end. We just have to try different approaches because we never know what's going to stick with this one person because again, different things resonate with different people. Number two, we just have to do what we can. Responsible businesses are far from perfect today. We're far from perfect as individuals, and that's okay. It's just about being aware of our next steps or what's already accessible to us, what we can do, and then doing what we can. Reiterating another recurring theme on this podcast, progress over perfection. But there, that's a wrap for this episode. You can find the episode references and link to our sponsor, Connecta, at greendreamer.com. Get in touch with me on Instagram at Shane and email me at hello at greendreamer.com to share feedback on what I can do to further improve this show for you. I love hearing from you, so thank you if you get a chance to reach out. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.